Hello, Night Nation, and welcome to the Nightcap Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Stewart, and I'm here to introduce our inaugural episode of the Nightcap Podcast. We're here to outline all the happenings at UCF football, both on the field, off the field. Uh, that can be recruiting, that can be spring practices, summer practices, leading all the way into the season, making sure you are prepared to cheer us on in the bounce house. I'm here with my co-host, Tony Cummings. How are you doing, Tony? I'm doing great. What a time to be alive, to be a UCF fan. I mean, I'll tell you what, a little bit about myself. UCF alumni from class of 2013. My mom went to UCF. Um, real reason I became a fan as a kid in elementary was because Dante Culpepper came to my school, spoke, as well as I've been going to games, you could say since elementary, at the Citrus Bowl. I bleed black and gold, and I'm really, we're, me and myself, me and Sean are very passionate, and we're looking forward to talk about football and give you all the recaps and all the information we can give you about football throughout the season. You know the passion runs deep on this podcast, both of us alumni of the class of 2013, Similar to Tony here, my, my dad went to UCF, and I have long memories of going to UCF games. I was fortunate enough to be at the inaugural game of the Bounce House against number 2 Texas when the Bounce House really became the Bounce House. Uh, we almost upset them, and uh, I, I will never forget being in that crowd. Uh, but as we get on here, I, we hope to show you the kind of passion that we have around UCF football and really give you all the information you could need. Uh, as we move into the 2022 season. So on today's episode, we want to cover uh, a lot of the news and notes that are going on. Even though it's the offseason, there's quite a bit of news that have, that's come up over the last two weeks, and we want to dive in, whether that be any uh, notable UCF alumni that have been making some noise, whether that be transfers that we've noticed uh, in or out. Uh, we've had some new coaching updates. We've had some name, image, and likeness initiatives. Uh, we actually just saw the schedule drop, so we want to dive into that. Um, but the main point of the episode, we want to dive in on the greatest recruiting class we have ever seen at UCF and how it could potentially impact us moving forward. We're already seeing some of those impacts with the Hometown Hero event that we'll dive in and talk about some of the really big Central Florida recruits that we had on campus and how the Big 12 move is going to impact everything. And uh, really, as, as Tony said, a very exciting time and excited to, to give you all the information. And jumping right into our first piece of news this week we saw Gabe Davis, the UCF alumni, get the keys to the city of Sanford. Very exciting to see him uh, recognized by his hometown as a Seminole High School graduate. Uh, Gabe Davis had an amazing second year with the Buffalo Bills. Um, we watched him get those four touchdowns in the divisional round for the Buffalo Bills against Kansas City Chiefs. Unfortunately, we weren't able to pull that game out, but he was a big reason why they were able to, to bring it so close. Uh, Gabe is an extremely good ambassador for the Central Florida area and UCF, and we're always happy to see him succeed. And I know that the Seminole High School crowd is especially excited to see him succeed, and uh, we're seeing that carry over to recruiting. We'll dive into that a little bit later, but uh, but definitely some good news for Gabe Davis. We're, we're all really happy for him here at Night Nation. The second piece of news that I wanted to dive into was we noticed the defensive tackle, Cam Good has entered the transfer portal, which I think was pretty surprising um, to a lot of UCF fans. Tony, I think you uh, you have some insight into maybe why that might be happening. I do, but first things first. In my opinion, it's devastating that Cam Good is in the portal. I will say, a player that goes in the portal can come back to the school. The only problem is, is that once you go into the portal, the school, can take, the school has a right to take away your scholarship, 
So even though you want to come back, they might give your scholarship to somebody else. So just want to educate you on that. But I personally think it's devastating that he is in the portal because it pretty much means he's going to be leaving. And in my opinion, he was going to be the starting D tackle um, next to either Ricky Barber or Anthony Matavo. So, like I said, I think it's devastating that we're losing him potentially. We'll see how it plays out, but that is devastating. Now, what's going on? Um, the rumors going on for the reasons I've been leaving. And I say rumors because, you know, Cam Good hasn't come out and said anything. The school hasn't come out and said anything. But what word that's been going around is the camp's not happy because with the UCF medical staff specifically, feels like he was misdiagnosed by the staff and he kept playing on an injury that the staff didn't let him know correctly what the injury was. Another reason they're saying is the camp's not happy with all these transfers coming in. And you got to think about not just this year. You got to think about last year. So think about Cam. Cam transferred here from Virginia. And um, he, you know, he waited his time. And then last year, they brought in Ricky Barber. And let's, let's be straight. Ricky Barber started pretty much last year until he got injured. So Cam saw his playing time going away there. But, you know, Cam proves himself. You saw him at the UF, UCF game. That dude's a monster. He represented there. He represented throughout the season. However... Now we got a new deep tackle that just transferred in Lee Hunter that uh, we're all excited about, but Cam could probably be seeing maybe his playing time going away. Maybe he's thinking, hey, these aren't my coaches. I was recruited by Josh Heupel and Randy Shannon. So, look, they brought in Ricky Barber. That was one of uh, the coach, the new coaches' player from a previous school. Started right away. Here comes Lee Hunter. Coach Will, T. Will, and Coach Gus Malzahn. Hey, they might start him. Cam doesn't know. Who knows? You know, this is all speculative, but I'm just trying to look at it from his perspective. Because right now, players have the right to transfer. He's a redshirt senior, and if you're asking, well, didn't he transfer for Virginia? Now he's at UCF. How can he transfer again? Well, now he's a graduate transfer because it's looking like he's going to graduate this spring. So that's pretty much the news and notes on Cam Good. I hope somehow we can convince him to come back. I think it's going to be a devastating loss. Um, but, you know, next man up. That's a great point, Albert. And, you know, I do think that, you know, the fact that Cam was originally recruited by the old coaching staff, I wonder if that plays a part. You know, we've, we've heard a lot about how relationships matter when it comes to the transfer portal. Do you think that has anything to do with, with him potentially looking to move on? You know, uh, you and me had a conversation at Sidebar before the podcast, and I didn't think about that. But you're right. He got recruited by Heupel in Tennessee. He's, I mean, Coach Heupel's in Tennessee right now. Randy Shannon's at Florida State. I, I will tell you, if he goes to either two of those schools, whoo, uh, that makes me nervous. Not because we already lost uh, Tatum Batum to FSU because Randy Shannon that relationship. If Cam Good goes to Tennessee or Florida State, ugh, just like we keep bragging about how we might be getting players from Armour, we might be losing players to Tennessee and Florida State. <laughs> That's a great point, you know, but I think, too, you know, with the transfer portal, we're really allowing ourselves to get to a position where the players on the team have a relationship with the coaches that we have. They want to be here. Uh, you know, absolutely can't fault a player for wanting to go where he feels he's a better fit for a scheme, um, you know. But as we talk about the coaching staff, we do have some coaching news that we've seen over the last few weeks that I think we want to dive in. Uh, we've had some new coaches 
that have joined the staff. We have a new co-offensive coordinator, Chip Lindsey, who has a history with Gus Malzahn, and we have a new offensive grad assistant, Isaiah Walker, uh, coming in. Uh, Chip Lindsey has a really long, extensive background with Gus Malzahn. They're very familiar with each other. Uh, Chip working under Gus at Auburn. Uh, the last few years, he's been the head coach at Troy. Um, and even though that might not have gone as well as Chip would have hoped, overall, that head coaching experience coming to UCF, as well as the knowledge he has in the Gus Malzahn offense, is a really good fit for us moving in for, for a couple of reasons. First, you know, having a young QB room, we'll, we'll talk about some of the new, uh, the new quarterbacks that have come into that quarterback room over the last few months. Um, you know, being able to convey the Malzahn offense to them and make sure they understand it, um, you know, but also another uh, another head coach type uh, knowledge coming in um, to help replace G.J. Kinney, who I think had a lot of experience in the Gus Malzahn offense overall. I think this is a great fit um, for us. Um, how about Isaiah Walker? Are you very familiar with him? I'm not familiar with his uh, history in coaching, I will say that. However... I do think he was hired. Well, look, they're not going to hire somebody that doesn't have. A, uh, that's not going to be a good coach. Gus isn't just going to hire somebody just to hire somebody. But from what I'm seeing and from my impressions of him, he's going to be a great recruiter for us. He's going to be an offensive GA. He came from Georgia Southern that recruits really well in their division. But more importantly, he's from Lakeland, Florida. That's where he went to high school. And he's from that area. So if you don't know, Polk County, or like we like to call it now, Polk Orlando, Polk Lando, there are so many good players and we're trying to get that pipeline going. I will tell you in the past, I used to always wonder why we didn't get players from there. I mean, they'd go to UF, FSU, out of state, UM. You know where those kids in Polk County didn't go to? UCF. So to have another coach that's got those ties there, it's going to help this program out, pay dividends in the long run. We definitely want to keep that Polk County pipeline going. They have some of the best Division One players in all the state of Florida right next to us, right between Orlando and Tampa, Polk County, Florida. I think that's what we've always wanted, isn't that, Tony? Like, as UCF fans, Orlando, born and raised, you know, spending our time here, we've all looked around at the talent we've seen in Central Florida. We've always really wanted that talent to come home, and it's been really refreshing for this coaching staff to, to really hold to their word, spend as much time as they are in Central Florida, and we're seeing those uh, those efforts really pay off. Um, you know, another initiative we've seen, and we saw that come out this week, that I think is another step in the right direction when it comes to recruiting, especially in Central Florida, is the new name, image, and likeness initiative that has been launched by Mackenzie Milton called Mission Control, which is a collective very similar to others we've seen around college football in an effort to try to bring the alumni base together, boosters and uh, and other alumni, to really support the football team. Um, you know, it's an experience-based program, um, mostly designed to give you extra access to the players, uh, whether that be through charity events or, or any other events they might be hosting, whether that be coaching clinics or, or things of that nature. Ultimately, it's designed to be a win-win between the players, the, the fans, and the, uh, and the university itself. I really like to hear what, what Mackenzie Milton really had to say about it, and ultimately the big piece that he wanted to touch on was the sense of community. 
that he felt here and really what he's trying to cultivate with this mission control, trying to bring the fan base a little closer to the players. But I'll tell you, I think that's going to have a huge impact on recruiting. Um, you know, players right now are absolutely looking for opportunities to grow their brand. Um, and any opportunity at UCF to do that, I think, is going to be really, really important. Some examples of some others, other collectives that have popped up here over the last few months is the Rising Spear at Florida State and the Gator Collective at UF. Uh, some of our listeners might have heard of those um, as they've popped up. So as we move into the Big 12, moving into the Power 5, we want to make sure that we are keeping up with the Joneses, as they say, and make sure that, that we're right in line um, to get some of these big recruits. So I think it's a big deal. I'm, I'm excited to see how it pans out. Moving on, um, you know, I think it was really exciting today to see the UCF football schedule drop. Um, you know, we weren't sure when, when we might be seeing that. Um, it's actually setting up to be potentially the last year for the UCF Knights to play in the American. I think we've got a pretty good schedule lined up. Do you have a chance to take a look at it, Tony? Yeah, sure did. Yeah, I mean, I will tell you, we're going to go on a deep dive on our next podcast with the schedule and early predictions. However, one thing I love about the schedule is that 9 out of 12 games are played in the state of Florida. So that's going to be advantageous for us. Um, two of our away games are at FAU and US, USF. You know, horns down always, just FYI. <laughs> But truth be told, you know, we pack FAU, we pack the USF Stadium. You might as well say Tampa's UCF's hometown team two, and might as well say Boca's UCF hometown team three. I mean, we're, uh, we pretty much take over those stadiums. So with that being said, we really got nine, you know, nine, uh, nine home games. So that's really exciting. Um, you know, really exciting with everything going on with our, with our team and our roster management. So uh, looking forward to an awesome schedule with that being said. Just want to bring in the bye weeks. We got October 8th, a bye week. So if you want to plan a wedding, that's the week to plan it. (laughs) Good advice. (laughs) And actually, it's a pretty tight schedule. We don't got too many bye weeks in between that. So just FYI. Yeah, very exciting schedule. It's the the first time we're actually going to see two Power 5 schools come to the bounce house which is extremely exciting. Obviously, anytime we can play a Power 5 team, it's beneficial to us and our perception. Um, you know, As you said, we're very fortunate to play a few games in Florida in addition to our home games. We always have a great turnout of UCF fans at our Florida away games, so we're expecting to see all of you out there loud and proud, both at FAU and at USF, our home away from home. Um, but I think it's setting up to be a really, really great year. We won't get into predictions here, but uh, I think both of us are very optimistic about our chances against this schedule, and uh, we'll get into that in our, in our next podcast. And jumping into our last piece of news is uh, some dysfunction at Auburn University. It's been quite the month for the Auburn Tigers and their embattled coach, Brian Harson. and some of the things that have come out. Uh, it's hard to know what to believe, but uh, on, on February 4th, the Montgomery Advisor reported that there were some issues in the program, that he was treating players poorly. Um, you know, we have seen quite a bit of Auburn players transfer, uh, most notably Lee Hunter, a defensive tackle who's actually coming to UCF to reunite under Gus Malzahn. One of the quotes he posted on Instagram after his transfer, Coach Harson has the true mindset for a winner, but a terrible mindset as a person. Not exactly a great review, 
But having said that, I think the Auburn president did come out and say that they wanted to separate fact from fiction and in their investigation ultimately decided to keep Brian Harson around. So, I mean, I think it's a really interesting thing going on at their program. Um, you know, Gus Malzahn was brought into the fold by, by a few reporters who were asking him how he felt. He kind of sidestepped it by saying, I'm not going to get into what's going on there. I just feel blessed to be here. I'm sure he does. Honestly, I, I can imagine he's probably much happier to be at UCF than he is at Auburn at this point. Uh, what are your thoughts on some of the dysfunction at Auburn? Uh, my thoughts are uh, what's bad for Auburn is good for UCF. Because, come on, man, we just keep getting their players. We just got their number one wide receiver, Kobe Hudson. This got two, he actually got three years of eligibility. We got Lee Hunter, the defensive tackle, with four years of eligibility. And I'll tell you something about Lee Hunter, man. He's a big, big boy. 300 and uh, at least 15 pounds, 6'4", 6'5". And uh, I heard a joke. We don't. I uh, heard a joke about the American about him. Uh, we don't get players like him in America. So that just means he's going to be dominating those offensive lines. So can't wait to see him start playing. And again, Kobe Hudson was the their number one wide receiver. You know, I expect him to start for us uh, next. Uh, next to Flash, next to Rock. Get ready for that. Get ready for Kobe Hudson to be our third starter, replacing Brandon Johnson. In my opinion. But, you know, like I said, what's bad for Auburn is good for us. Last year we got Big Cat Bryant about to go to the NFL. Defensive end, you guys saw how he played last year. Mark Anthony Richards got some playing time last year. I feel he's going to be a big contributor for UCF this year. And then Marco Domino. I'll tell you what, a lot of people have asked, like, what happened to Marco? Why didn't he get any playing time? I'll tell you why he didn't get any playing time, because of UCF's cornerbacks and DBs, we have a lot of talent there. So that's probably why he didn't get his time to shine, but... You know, he's got the playbook under his, uh, he's got the playbook that he, he's had a whole year under it. He also, if I don't, if I recall correctly, Marco came right when the fall season started. So he didn't play spring ball. So with that being said, you know, he's got a whole year under his belt. You know, I hope to see him get some shine. We'll see. He was really good for Auburn. So yeah, again, their dysfunction to our blessing. I mean, come on, be honest with yourself. Every time an Auburn player goes into the portal, what's the first thing you think? Does UCF got a shot at him? Absolutely. With Coach Gus, T. Will, we got a shot at all the Auburn players. That's a great point. I think we saw a lot of that. I mean, the biggest example of that is when Bo Nix entered the transfer portal. Um, you know, we don't even know if he reached out to UCF, if UCF reached out to him. But all the rumors were that he was going to end up at UCF, and he ended up going off the board up to Oregon. Obviously, everybody wishes him well. But to your point... Everybody does immediately assume if they played for Gus, they're thinking about coming to Orlando. And, and just that publicity alone and, and the fact that a few of them are is really good for us. Just as we mentioned, you know, Brandon Johnson graduating leaves a great opportunity for Kobe Hudson. Now with Cam Good transferring, we could really use Lee Hunter. But the other thing, too, is I think we're really fortunate at UCF to have the alignment we have from the administration all the way down to the coaching staff. Um, you know, that started with President Hitt and his vision for the UCF football team and, and his ability to help us grow. And that's really extended to President Cartwright. We've been through many athletic directors, um, you know, obviously Danny White and some of the others we've seen. And, and now we have Terry Mahajer all the way down from Frost to Heupel to Gus Malzahn. Just the alignment, I think, is what really helps us stay ahead of the game. That's just not something they have at Auburn right now. The boosters, they... Uh, they have a lot of control over there, and I'm sure it's tough to really understand who's in control. So very fortunate 
to be a UCF Knight as always. And with that, let's go ahead and dive into our 2022 recruiting class, which is arguably the best recruiting class we've ever seen at UCF. Uh, according to 247, it is the best recruiting class we've ever seen. Obviously, now we do need to mix in both freshman tran- or freshman uh, scholarship players that we're bringing in. Um, but we also have to take into account the transfer portal, which is a brand new part of college football. Obviously, a lot of schools have to navigate the transfer portal, and UCF is no different. Talked about at the top of the episode, Cam Good transferring. Uh, now we get to talk about the good news. Some of the people that are coming into UCF from a lot of places. So I really want to start here with the incoming freshmen. We'll break it down offense and defense um, so we can you know, talk, about, talk a little bit about each. I'll start off with the offense, um, just to list some of the incoming freshmen that we have coming. We have Thomas Castellanos, the QB out of Ware County, Georgia. We have Jordan McDonald, running back from Alpharetta, Georgia. We have Tyler Griffin, 6'4 wide receiver. We have Quan Lee, the 6'foot, 175-pound electric slot receiver. We have Xavier Townsend, who's listed as a wide receiver, but I would consider him probably more of a hybrid wide receiver uh, running back. Uh, We actually were able to flip him from Iowa State late in the process. Huge win for UCF. And last but not least, we do have Caden Kittler, the inside offensive lineman uh, out of Texas. Uh, So a really good group of offensive players that we have coming in as freshmen. Um, Are there any any freshmen you have your eye on specifically? Yeah, definitely. To start off, I'm I'm really big fan of the trenches. You know, in the past, UCF has definitely had athletes come to UCF. That's that's been going on since Brandon Marshall. However, getting players in trenches is more of a, I feel like, something we need to focus on, especially going into the Big 12. You're going to win with those big boys in the offense and defense. But that being said, Caden Kittler is a nasty, nasty man. I mean, he's going to be our future center for UCF. As soon as Matt Lee goes to the NFL, Caden Kittler is stepping right in. So I'm really excited about him. You know, he was so connected with Coach Han that he switched positions in his senior year knowing that he's going to play center for UCF. So he's already been prepping a year before he even came to UCF to get ready for that role. He knows he's going to be Matt Lee's understudy. There's nobody else even behind Matt Lee because, unfortunately, one of the players transferred away, so it's just Kane Killer up next. But he's a nasty, nasty man. He's a tough kid. Excited to see him. He could have went to SMU, our American Athletic Conference rival currently, or he could have went to Boise State, a team we played last year. With that being said, he came to UCF because Coach Han and him have a great relationship, and it's all about relationships, and that's the reason he came. He came because of Coach Han, so I'm glad to have him on our team. Another player that excites me is Xavier Townsend. He's a Swiss Army knife. That kid can play all over the field. He gets open. He's fast. Wide receiver, running back. I mean, he's going to be uh, he's gonna be another utility player. Rest in peace, Otis. But, you know, he reminds me of Otis Anderson. Not exactly, but he does. he's comparable to Otis Anderson. RIP, Otis. Love you, Juice. That's a great point. Um, you know, I think Xavier Townsend does fit that mold, especially being listed as a wide receiver, even though I think some of us do expect him to get some reps at running back. But, you know, I think one of the things that I really notice about this class of offensive players is how Gus is really starting to build this in his image. Um, you know, I think we all recognized last year that the UCF offense looked its best when we had a bruising running back that complemented a more electric running back. Uh, so Bowser and Johnny Richardson being in the game um, together 
Uh, being able to complement each other was huge. When one of them was not available, we could see how that affected the offense. Additionally, you know, a running quarterback is important to Gus's offense. You can even look back to his time at Auburn. Um, some of his most successful seasons have come when he had a running quarterback. Obviously, the most famous example of that is when he was the offensive coordinator for Auburn, winning the national championship with Cam Newton. So I think, you know, when we look at the way that this is shaping up, we see a Thomas Castellanos, a dual threat quarterback, where some colleges were looking at him as a wide receiver, but we're giving him the opportunity at quarterback because, again, this offense um, really can take off when we have a quarterback that can run in addition. We've heard it a little bit in some of the press conferences about how that threat is important, but we even saw it on the field when he was pulling off a, D- a Dylan Gabriel or especially a Mikey Keene to put in Joey Gatewood, Parker Navarro, guys like that who can really run in the red zone and get those first downs and touchdowns. When your starting quarterback can do those things, it opens up a ton of mismatches on the outside. Um, speaking of mismatches on the outside, look at the skill players we're getting in this class. Um, you want to talk about thunder and lightning? Uh, Jordan McDonald and Xavier Townsend remind me a lot of Bowser and and uh, Johnny Richardson. You know, Jordan McDonald is extremely physically advanced for his age. He's a bruiser, but he still has that breakaway speed. I think he could be a big piece of the offense. But again, like you mentioned, Xavier Townsend, that Swiss, Swiss Army knife. Even the wide receivers, though. You look at Tyler Griffin. He's that prototypical outside receiver, 6'4", tall, red zone target. But then you've got the electric slot receiver in Quan Lee, six foot, one seventy five. You put him in the slot. When you add all those together, it looks to me like a pretty exciting offense. All these players will be here with some experience as we move into the Big Twelve. I think that'll be a really, really big piece uh, of our of our team moving forward. And jumping on over to the defense, we have a, a relatively even. Uh, number of players uh, pretty close when it comes to offense to defense going down the list of the defensive players coming in as incoming freshmen we have Keenis Thompson the defensive end out of Lakeland we have TJ Bullard the linebacker who funny enough is Titus O'Neill's son so hopefully we can all uh, be on the lookout for Titus hopefully we see him at the bounce house uh, this season and, and seasons moving forward um, after that we have Jamal Johnson the defensive lineman out of Chaminade Miami uh, we do have three recruits coming out of Seminole High School as we continue that great pipeline we discussed earlier from Bam Moore to Gabe Davis to these three. Uh, Cameron Moore, a linebacker who also happens to be Bam Moore's brother. And then the Henderson twins, Jakari Henderson, the corner, and Damari Henderson, the safety. But I think the biggest name out of the group is Nakai Martinez, the corner out of Apopka, not only continuing our Central Florida pipeline, but also as a, as a highly rated four-star is the highest rated recruit we've ever had here at UCF. Um, I think that's that's the one you uh, you have the most excitement about. Isn't that right, Tony? I am. There's so much to be excited about in Nakai Martinez. Like you said, he's our highest recruit of this recruiting class, for one. For two, Nakai could have went to Notre Dame, South Carolina, UCF. Those were his top threes. Again, I repeat, Notre Dame, South Carolina, big-time schools. And he could have went pretty much anywhere he wanted. But he came and picked the home team of UCFs. Um, so that's just, I'm excited about that alone. But Nakai himself is a baller. He is a lockdown cornerback. He's also a return man. So if you kick the ball to Nakai, he's taking it to the house. But I've seen him also save his team from um, touchdowns from the other team, opposing teams. Intercept the ball right at the right, right there on the one yard line, protecting the touchdown, saving this team. He's 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 a real deal. 
Um, Gus said it himself. Nakai is an NFL-bound pro. Nakai so talented that I think he could play right away. But I'm not going to lie. We have a lot of talent right now with our DBs and safety. So I'm not sure, you know, when he's going to play. But he could. He could. He has the talent to play. But I will say UCS DBs are uh, talented as well. So we'll see how that all plays out. You know, that's quite the praise, especially considering the injury he had last year. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Nakai's got also a great heart. He um, he was injured, and he came back. And mind you, I'm going to just call it how it is. If he was a selfish player, he could have just waited out. He already had his full-ride scholarship. Could have just rested and to the next level. But he cares about his teammates. He cares about his school. He cares about the local community. And Apopka, he helped Apopka get to the state championship. And that's the game I was telling you about. And the state championship, the other team threw, pretty much had a guaranteed touchdown. The guy came out of nowhere, intercepted the ball, and prevented a touchdown. His team did lose in the championship game. However, again, he took his team to the championship. And he played injured to help his team. So, yeah, high praise for Nikhil Aram. Um, great kid, great talented player. We're lucky to have him. And I'll tell you something that excites me more than anything. If you are a UCF fan that is in the recruiting, you know real well that UCF was not getting kids from Apopka High School. We're not getting kids from Lakeland High School. You know, we're not getting kids from these big-time powerhouse programs right in our backyard. I mean, last year, we lost two kids from Seminole High School that wanted to come to UCF that didn't even get offers. You know, uh, shame on that previous coaching staff. You know, we lost Timmy McLean and Jimmy Horn to USF, for crying out loud. But thank goodness we got that Seminole pipeline back in order. You know, we got Cameron Moore. We got Jakari Henderson, Damari Henderson. And also, look out for class of 2023. That Seminole pipeline, we got Goldie coming. Uh, Goldie's coming. If you don't know about him, he is, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in Central Florida. Was committed to UF. Already decommitted. And, you know, through the grapevines, it really looks like UCF's number one. He hasn't came out of the top list, but, you know, I've talked to him personally, and I get the impression that UCF's the number one school, in my opinion, from talking to him. But also going back to Popka High School and that, that pipeline, we just got Kevin Call, a four-star defensive lineman, to commit to UCF in December. Another thing, when do you hear UCF players committing this early? This kid committed in December to come to UCF, a four-star recruit, came and called, and I'll tell you why he came. For many, many reasons, but one reason, let's stick to Nakai Martinez. Nakai Martinez led the way, and I know for a fact, because I'm really close to Popka High School and the kids there, UCF has become one of the top schools for the 23, 24, and 25 kids at Popka High School. And with that being said, that's what a pipeline's all about. It's not about getting a kid every five years or every six years. A pipeline is every single year or every other year, worst case scenario, you're getting that school's top player to come to your school. So that's what UCF's doing now. Coach Gus's hair is on fire. The staff's doing a great job. You know, we got a Popka powerhouse pipeline high school, Seminole high school powerhouse pipeline, Lakeland high school pipeline. Again, those kids in Lakeland, <laughs> I'll tell you what, all those kids in Lakeland, for the most part, are considering UCF. I'll tell you what, years back, none of these schools considered UCF, other than Seminole, 
but just because of what my bud Sean said, because of Gabe Davis and Bam Moore, they led the start. They led the pipeline then, and unfortunately, uh, some coaches let that pipeline die, but it resurrected again. So just super excited about our pipeline, and let's just get into it into our um, into our walk-ons. This is really exciting too, and um, I know Sean's gonna get a little bit more into it, but come on. We got a kicker. What's his name, Sean? Colton Boomer, the best kicker name that's ever that we've ever seen here at ECF. I think ever. Period. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's probably a, true. A kid was born to kick. That's probably <laughs> true. Colton Boomer, absolutely. And you know, I think that's really exciting to have a you know a kicker. He he's, he is a five star kicker, but um, you know, I think it's pretty common for for special teams players to end up with preferred walk ons, um, and so I think that's uh, you know that that's something that's that's pretty standard. In college football, but man, Colton Boomer is really has a chance to just increase our prestige as kicker. You, uh, we've got quite a few that have come through. We've got Matt Prater, Arizona Cardinals. He's he's booming kicks, really long 50, 60 yard kicks. And we got Matt Wright, who just joined the Jacksonville Jaguars. They had a lot of kicker issues until they signed Matt Wright. He was Mr. Consistent there and looks like he might have earned himself a job for next season. So Let's keep that pipeline rolling and uh, and with Colton Boomer. I think that's pretty yeah, exciting. I just want to add something to Colton Boomer. I mean, I really do think that um, he might get on scholarship as soon as next year. I mean, you should you should take you should Google him and take a picture of this kid. This kid looks like uh, I mean, not a he looks like a skinny linebacker, but he's got he's got a. I mean, he doesn't look like a kicker, but this kid can kick. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and to, to jump on that with, with the preferred walk-ons, we do have one more that I think, you know, we'll see if he if he can really make a name for himself. I think he needs some development, but Davin Widner, the preferred walk-on quarterback out of Cocoa Beach High School, um, you know, I think it's interesting that, you know, we talked about the transfer portal, how that's a much bigger piece, and we'll talk about some of the transfers we've gotten at UCF, but I do think, and we've seen it with, there's an athletic article out there about um, how much recruits are getting affected, especially quarterback recruits that aren't necessarily your five-star elite 11 quarterback recruits having a tough time finding those scholarships because, you know, ultimately a lot of these bigger schools, they're looking for guys with experience, guys that can come in, that they don't have to, you know, burn a freshman year, maybe guys that are transferring so they won't have another transfer. It's leaving opportunities for some of these guys to end up as preferred walk-ons at some of these universities. Davin Widner, I think, is a perfect example of that. He set a single-season record at Cocoa Beach. Um, you know, he was one of the top players in Florida this year at quarterback. He certainly looks the part. He's 6'5", 218. Um, you know, we'll see. Do you think he might might have a chance here in this quarterback room? Do I think he has a chance? I'll tell you who I reminds me of. He reminds me of uh, some guy in Oviedo High School named Blake Bortles. Uh-oh. That's who it reminds me of. Somebody that also wasn't appreciative, appreciative sorry, as a quarterback. Um, he uh, Most schools wanted Blake to be a tight end, but UCF gave him the shot to be a quarterback. I'm so excited that um, Davin decided to come to UCF as a preferred walk-on. He could have went to, a funny story, another night school. He could have went to the Scarlet Knights up in New Jersey with Rutgers, but he chose to stay home and go to UCF. But, again, my same thing with Pipeline. Coco High School, if you're not familiar, has some of the best players as well. So, hopefully, this can start a Pipeline from Coco High School with Davin coming. Uh, coach right now at Coco High School is Coach Ryan Snyder, uh, UCF previous QB legend that's the coach over there. 
So I'm hoping between that and um, David coming that maybe we can get more future players from Cocoa High School. Because I'll tell you right now, Cocoa High School is sending players to Ohio State and other big programs. So they got a lot of talent over there. Love to have that pipeline started. Definitely. I mean, you know, we're talking a lot about pipeline and, uh, you know, I think that's a big theme with this entire recruiting class. Just, you know, we're looking at Central Florida. We're looking at a lot of Florida recruits, high level Florida recruits. Gus Malzahn, when he got hired, first thing he said is he's going to recruit Central Florida like his hair's on fire. And I think he's living up to that word uh, every bit. Uh, Before we jump into the portal, I definitely want to talk about this entire class. You know, Gus really mentioned that you know, as much as the portal's important and as much as we need to, you know, make sure that we are paying attention to that and really maximizing our opportunities there, it's really important to build our foundation um, with incoming freshmen. Freshmen that can grow here, that we can develop ourselves into our scheme, um, you know, that bleed black and gold just as much as the rest of us. Um, And I think when you look at this class, it's amazing how many levels of our roster this covers. Uh, you know, we've got our skill position players on all the major levels. We've, we've got offensive line, defensive line, linebackers. We've got all levels of the uh, secondary. We've got a new uh, five-star kicker. It's just uh, it's really impressive what this coaching staff was able to do to really fill out some of the, some of the bottom ends of this roster. Uh, should make it really exciting as we look at this too deep, um, not only this year, but moving into next year going into the Big 12. So with that... Um, you know, we've talked about the foundation and we've talked about um, how we've been able to kind of build up that way, but we definitely had an extremely successful time in the transfer portal as well. Uh, Gus is no stranger to good recruiting and he's really hit the ground running with the transfer portal. So just going down the list, we've got nine more recruits coming from the transfer portal. Uh, we have Tylen Grable, the offensive lineman, Redshirt Jr. from Jacksonville State. We have Kobe Perry, a defensive back, a redshirt senior out of Austin P. Uh, we have Terrence Lewis, a linebacker who was a redshirt freshman at Maryland, former five-star recruit and number one linebacker in the 2021 recruiting class. He did tear his ACL last year, so he'll be coming off of an injury, but excited to have him. We have KD McDaniel, the outside linebacker, redshirt junior, coming from Kentucky. Um, we have John Riss Plum Lee, who I think could have a huge impact in that quarterback room. We'll, we'll definitely have to talk about him, the, the wide receiver quarterback out of, uh, out of Ole Miss. He will be a senior graduate transfer. Uh, we have the, the very big uh, offensive lineman, Ryan Swoboda, who is, again, a senior out of Virginia, 6'10", 325. So I think it's safe to say that he'll be one of our bigger offensive linemen coming in next year. Uh, we do have Kobe Hudson, the wide receiver junior from Auburn. Uh, Kamor Gamble, the tight end. Uh, he's a graduate transfer from Florida. Funny enough, uh, I think he saw some things he liked in that bowl game. And then uh, our, that, rounding out our transfers, we have Lee Hunter, the defensive tackle we've talked about previously, sophomore out of Auburn, former four-star recruit with four years of eligibility. Who excites you the most out of this group? A uh, pretty exciting group. i got to be honest with you, uh... Kimor Gamble excites me because of his Twitter post. <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah, fair. What that Twitter post said? I think uh, I'll have to get it up. I'll have to get it up. We'll see if we can if we can find it for you. I'll sum it up for you. Pretty much said, bring it on UCF. You know, I'm tired of hearing you guys talk that smack. Let's see who the real best team is on the field. That's not exactly <laughs> the Twitter, but sum it up for you. And guess what happened? After the game, he transferred to UCF, so... 
I guess we know who the best team in Florida is. UCF, baby. Nah, joking aside, man. He's a really talented player. Um, the NFL player that went into the Atlanta Falcons that he was behind. Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Kyle Pitts. I mean, Kyle Pitts is one of the most talented tight ends ever in college football. And uh, unfortunately, Gamble had to be behind him. Finally got his time to shine last year, and he did a heck of uh, a heck of a job, in my opinion. But unfortunately, there's new coaching staff there, and he he's, he said it himself. He didn't fit in with the new coaching staff and the new uh, the, their plans. So he's looking for a home. Picked UCF. I mean, one thing that UCF hasn't had for a long time is a good tight end that we can count on. So having uh, Keymore Gamble there, I'm really excited about locking that in, and also fits in with Gus's system that um, you're familiar with, Sean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, you know, we definitely could use a, a good uh, big tight end target. I think Alec Holler did an amazing job last year, but I think, you know, in any kind of running offense, having multiple tight ends that can both block and, uh, you know, stretch the field, I think is important. So I think, you know, having him coming over from, from Florida, obviously with that Power 5 experience, could be really, really big going into next year, maybe take our offense to another level. Yeah, the next player that I'm excited about is Ryan. Sorry if I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Swo- Swoboda. Swoboda. Yeah. It's big big last name for a big man. 6'10", 325 pounds. Started 11 games out of 12 last year. He, I'll tell you this right now. Just go ahead and um, write him in as a right tackle for UCF. He didn't come here to sit on a bench. He came here because Coach Han has put a lot of players into the NFL. And he wanted to take this last year to get himself uh, ready for the NFL. Um, so we're lucky to have him because we lost. Uh, s- sorry about this, guys. Uh, it's coming to me. Uh, ooh, I don't know why the Tennessee. Marcus Tatum? Yeah, there you go, Mar- Marcus Tatum. He, yeah, great. Thank goodness Marcus Tatum played for us for two years and for Tennessee. He, uh, he locked it down for us, I mean, as soon as he came in. And, you know, he's hopefully going to the NFL as well. But luckily with the transfer portal, this benefited us, and Swoboda is going to be locking down that right tackle. You're right. We lost a couple of uh, a couple of players, both you know because they're uh, they're graduating, you know, um, different reasons, and so really solidifying that offensive line is important. Tylen Grable could potentially be our, our left tackle. I know you wanted to get into that, and uh, you know Ryan Swoboda could potentially start. Yeah, well, I'd like to hear from you. I know you are super excited about JRP. What's your thoughts there? Uh, you know, I I personally think that when we look at this entire class, the guy that I think will, could potentially have the biggest impact on this team moving into 2022 is Plumley. I mean, you know, I, I talked about it a little bit with Castellanos, how, you know, the fact that he is a guy who can run at quarterback, um, you know, is really important for the offense that we run with Gus Malzahn. Um, you know, he wants the, the quarterback to be a threat. He wants to pull a defender into the box to pay attention to that quarterback, to open up single coverage across his receivers, to give that extra hesitation with the linebackers. Who Who's going to have the ball, the running back, the quarterback? When you look at Plum Lee and some of his highlights of Ole Miss and the speed that he has, the way that he can run some of these option plays, it, it really adds some excitement that if he can come into the spring and show that he has that passing acumen. Um, I think he might be able to win that starting job. Not saying that Keane isn't isn't able to come in and really, really do it. He was very he, he came in and filled in admirably last year. And you know I think a full off season 
um, you know, is going to give Keane a really good opportunity to to elevate his game. We saw Gabriel elevate his game when he was a sophomore. We saw Milton elevate his game when he was a sophomore. We might see that from Keane. I just look at the style of offense we run and the style of player Plumlee is, and I see a natural fit. Nice, nice. What do you think about Kobe Perry? You seem pretty excited to him. Well, yeah. I mean, Kobe Perry, he was the uh, the or the defensive player of the year in his conference. So even though it was FCS, right, I mean, being the defensive player of the year in your conference is huge. I mean, 85 tackles at the corner spot, uh, eight tackles for loss, two interceptions, and a sack. So he definitely can impact the field all over. Obviously, he's a very intelligent player. Having been, you know, now he's a, uh, he's a redshirt senior. So this will be his fifth year in college, um, you know, fourth year actually playing. So, I mean, just that experience with the statistics, I think he can really help solidify a secondary that already is pretty good. For sure. He reminds me of uh, the Brian Armstrong story. Mm-hmm. So don't don't sleep on those uh, those guys because they'll come in. They can play Division One. Mm-hmm. Totally. There's a reason they're the top guys in their division. Definitely. You know, the last guy I think we really – you know, need to touch on here is Terrence Lewis. You know, I think it's not often we see five-star recruits come over to UCF. And, um, you know, even though he, he didn't play last year because of a torn ACL, uh, you know, being a five-star recruit, number one linebacker in the 2021 class, obviously he has a lot of talent. Um, you think he can make an impact? Uh, it's to be determined. And none against Terrence Lewis. It's just more we got to see how he heals from the injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, in theory, yeah, but more importantly, what I want to talk about him is, and the the same topic we keep talking about, it's about relationships. He um, could have went, actually, he was planning to go to Auburn with T. Will and Gus, but then with the with them firing them, he ended up going to Maryland. But guess what? Now he wanted to come back and play for Coach Gus and T. Will at UCF. I'll tell you, in high school, it's it's a fact. He was a number one linebacker. He's a beast. He's fast. He can cover. He can tackle. I mean, we're lucky to have him. We just got to see how he recovers from this injury. But uh, with that being said, super excited to start talking about the Hometown Hero event that happened recently at UCF. It's a recruiting event that was originally to focus on homegrown talent here in Florida to draw the lead prospects at UCF. But with that being said, the coaches, they recruited like their hairs on fire, and a couple weeks prior to the event, they were all over the state of Florida. They went all over the state of Georgia, Alabama, Texas, you name it. They were all over everywhere. And they started inviting kids from all the top schools, all the top prospects to come to this event, as well as there were multiple seven-on-seven events here in Orlando during that weekend. So with that being said, crazy enough, 500 elite prospects showed up. So, I mean, you can't turn away five-star recruits that want to come visit you if they're coming to a 7 tournament. So, I mean, uh, what I will tell you is, being that I'm involved with covering Central Florida, uh, recruiting and going to the high school games and connecting with these kids, from what I got feedback from them after this event, because the coaches did their job. At the bottom line, what we needed from the coaches is to show them what UCF's about, show them the type of coaches they are, the relationship, and they did that, that the players were so impressed that they are seriously all, for the most part, all considering UCF. 
And I will tell you, if you see any of the top ten lists drop in recently from any of the kids that went to this event, UCS included. Some of these kids in the past from the schools they went to, UCF would not have been included. So the hometown hero event was a success. I'm excited to talk about that. And with that being said, uh, uh, we uh, we got a couple twins. Uh, I'm going to let my man Sean talk about the history of UCF twins before I talk about these guys. You know, I think it's really exciting. Um, you know, I, I think maybe it started out as a coincidence, but I mean, you you got to think there's got to be something to it. Um, you know, we, we've had a very successful time here at UCF with twins, starting with the McRae brothers on the offensive line. Both of them went on to have uh, NFL careers. Then we move on to the Griffin brothers, who I think we're all very familiar with. Shaquille is still, um, you know, playing great for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he's built himself a great career. And, of course, the heart and soul of our national champion in 2017, Shaquem Griffin, who also made a career for himself in the NFL. So a history of, uh, of twins. You see that in the recruiting class. We talked about the Henderson twins out of Seminole. Now we've got another group of twins, some really highly rated linebackers, Andrew and Michael Harris out of Lake Brantley. I don't know. You think we got a chance to get them? I do. I know these guys personally. I will tell you a little background about them. These guys are tackling machines. They are going to be future All-Americans. They have so many scholarship offers that they took a picture and they filled their bathtub with all those scholarship offers. These kids can go anywhere they want. Everybody wants them. Um, But they have always been big fans of UCF, and UCF is definitely in the running for it. Um, Like I said, they can go anywhere they want. But I, I highly expect them to come to UCF and maybe bring on some other twins to UCF. So let's hopefully that happens. Keep your fingers crossed. And again, that's Lake Brantley. You know, another example. I mean, we're talking Seminole, Apopka, Lakeland. You know, Osceola's on here too. Defensive lineman John Walker was on campus from Osceola. He's another big-name recruit. So obviously, as we're building this hometown hero event, we're getting a lot of hometown big recruits that maybe not, uh, maybe wouldn't have considered UCF in the past. Agreed. We got the two tight ends from Apopka High School coming. One of them is actually Nakai Martinez's cousin, Brian Harsons. <laughs> so he might be coming to UCF. Again, another player I talked to. He said UCF is one of his top schools. So we got him. We got uh, DeAndre Robinson from Jones High School. Another player can go to a lot of – he's got a lot of SEC offers already. But he's highly considering UCF. So we've got a lot of, lot of talented players from South Florida that came for that 7-on-7 tournament that are considering UCF. Actually, uh, there's a there's a a player there's a player that I did want to mention. Um, uh, Troy Ford, Troy Ford Jr. He's out of Georgia. It's another. This is a very talented linebacker. There's a prototypical typical T. Will linebacker. Again, can go where he wants as well. And he's seriously considering UCF. He said right now it's between South Carolina and UCF right now as his top two schools. So this event has just is paying dividends, and this is just the first event. So can't wait for the rest of the year. UCF is putting in work with recruiting, and uh, not to put any shame on the best recruiting class we've ever had. This might be the worst recruiting class after it's all said and done with the coach Gus and T. Will because they're just going to keep recruiting better and better. You know that that's an interesting thing that you're onto there because I think you might be right when you look at some of the guys that they're they're talking about now, especially Caven Call already four leading stars. the 2023 four stars. You know a lot of players that are looking at UCF. 
Um, you know, <laughs> if this is the best recruit class we ever had and it's only going to go up from here, look out rest of college football. Look out Power 5. Look out Big 12. You know, we'll have to see how it goes. You know, and I think it's also important, you know, for anybody that isn't aware, the importance of building this rapport with Central Florida recruits. I think it's important to understand the context of why it matters. Number one, obviously, it's, you know, I think it's a little easier to tell to convince somebody to stay home than it is to go extremely far away from home, especially leaving college or leaving for college. So first, there's that. But the second thing is, you know, I think people really need to realize that the amount of talent that exists in the state of Florida, the amount of talent that exists in Central Florida compared to other areas in the country for college football. Uh, you know, we see some of the biggest names in college football coming to Central Florida to recruit some of these guys. All the guys we're naming have offers from a few of the big schools. You know, we had Nick Saban flying into Central Florida, landing on a football field at a local high school in a helicopter to recruit a massive uh, recruit. We do not have to do that. We are in Orlando already. And I think that gives us, we're, we're not going to have an advantage over Nick Saban. I'm not going to sit here and act delusional. But I will say that, you know, just the fact that we are in their backyard and can see them um, as often as we can, um, you know, and really leave a lasting impression as Orlando's hometown team, I, I think it'll make a big difference. You know, we'll win them all, but, you know, get a few and we can really start the train moving. Yeah, well said. With that being said, Night Nation, we're going to close this episode. Just want to appreciate you listening to us. Hopefully you'll keep supporting us. Just want to give you a little preview. Next episode, we'll be having a talk about the spring camp, a little primer on that, key position battles, incoming freshman first practices, deep dive into the schedule, and some early predictions. Please follow us on Instagram, UCF Nightcap Altogether, Twitter, UCF Nightcap Altogether, and we have a Facebook group, UCF Nightcap But Separated. You can Google, not Google, you can do the search with that. Please, please. Give us a five-star review. You know the deal. We want your support. It always helps to give us five-star reviews so we can expand our network so more fans can hear about us. Night Nation, we love you. We bleed black and gold. Thank you for listening to Nightcap.